Who's love back? Myself, who's love back? Myself, who's We're back? back? We're back, Jack. Guess who's back? It's Albert and Ryan. Yeah. Of famed Don't Be an Idiom podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be back. Konnichiwa. Konbawa. We've returned from Japan and uh, we've got tans. We're tan mans. Japan tan. Japan tans. That's good. Yeah. So, hello. <sighs> we, hi. We hope you enjoyed our two megasodes, the Cotton-Eyed Joe megasode. How could you not? And the, <laughs> the Garfield. <laughs> the Garfield lasagna <laughs> megasode. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, we, uh, we hope you enjoyed Sorry those. about that one. Now we're going to have a... We're, we're back to normal. Yeah. Back on Getting track. Back on track. Feels good. Yeah. Feel re-energized. I feel re-energized, too. Probably because we've been clean and unperturbed for the last two weeks. That's true. We did feel very... Un- when you can't hear or understand what people are saying, it's very comforting. Yeah. And also, they're not saying very much at all. No. The Japanese do not talk in public all that much. No. Especially on the trains. And especially to us. No one spoke to us. <laughs> That's really true now that I'm thinking yeah. about it. No one went out of their way to talk to us. Unless they were kids who were just like freaked out about how tall we were. That's true. <laughs> right. And now that you're saying uh, yeah. it, I'm remembering we, uh, we got off the train at one station and these two kids were really intrigued, mostly by Albert. Yeah. And they gave us poppy sticks, which are these little chocolate covered cracker sticks. Yeah. They just, the they kept coming back and giving us more pocky and then running away. And then, then they followed us all the way <laughs> yeah. through the station to outside and yeah. eventually they went away. Yeah. I was nervous. Cause like when I went into the bathroom, I was like, Oh my God, he can't follow me into the bathroom. No, that so, would have been, weird. I ran, you ran, but but yeah, that's right. You're very tall there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. I mean, the normal the normal door opening, I had to duck at every single one. I've never had to duck. Well. Never had to. You know, it's it's one the, of the, the country's the right size for you. One of the perks of being five foot seven and a half. Yeah, you're, you're compact. Easy to travel with. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we thought before we, we jump into our idiom origins of the, uh, of the day, um, we would just kind of do our top five... Japan moments because we spent two weeks there and uh, saw a lot of cool stuff and had a lot of um, funny experiences. A lot of sweating. It was, it's a very hot country. It's an unrelenting heat. Unrelenting. And it's not a dry heat. No. And they, they're not really interested in, in air conditioning in public places. Like in the, yeah. on the trains, it was usually pretty. Yeah. Um, I thought in Tokyo things were pretty, pretty cool, but then it was just like. Kyoto was hot. Yeah, Kyoto was so hot. Multiple showers a day. Multiple shower, yeah. Oh, I hate multiple showers. <sighs> you know, it's it's funny. I never uh, Eli down the street came out one night and he was like, "Just had my second shower of the day. It's way better than the first one." And I was like, "You know, it really is." Um, <laughs> but uh, it's annoying to get in there. Yeah. But then when you come out, you're like, "Yes." Reborn. Yeah. The the rejuvenation of water mm. really proves true in that second shower. <laughs> yeah. Shower power. All right, so we're going to do our top five. Number five. What's five, Al? Number five we have here is the Robot, robot Show, show. Um, in Tokyo. So we, when we were getting ready for this whole uh, trip, we watched an Anthony Bourdain episode. And uh, he went to this robot show. And it was so hard to understand what was going on. And even the look on his face was so... He, he was just blown away. You're mem- mesmerized by it. Completely. 
Right. He's like, I'm rich as shit, and I've seen all of the shit. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, oh, 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 like walking <laughs> out. And so we knew we needed to go, so we got tickets uh, in advance. And um, it was awesome. It was awesome. Basically, you're in like a theater. There's two, two, you know, uh, I guess there's seats on both sides. And then it's the small. Performer it's is very small. And the performers kind of come out in between and they play like, music and yeah. there's lights and there's uh, video projections and, and robots and ro- like, giant robots that everyone's riding. And it's just insane. Yeah. The only we had one complaint was that it kind of stopped every 10 minutes for 10 minutes. Yeah. And they would kind of try to sell you drinks and stuff. And that was really it happened three times. That was pretty annoying. I know. And I kind of we had to wonder and there were a lot of Westerners in the room and, and it kind of made you think it's like, all right, the only reason I'm here is because Anthony Bourdain put it on that, yeah. on the show. And then it's like, but. I think because of that, that's what ruined it. Like, I imagine it was better. Yeah, yeah. But I'll say this. The first part when they came out was like all these, like they were all dressed in this like wild futuristic jungle stuff and everyone blue hair and it was all drumming and it was fucking awesome. Right. And so that was even way better than the robot parts. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. What's number four? Number four is we hit all of the Lost in Translation uh spots that yeah we, we had some to. notable ones yeah we we uh albert had never seen lost in translation so when we were at my sister's house uh she put it on and we watched it and we went to the new york bar which has the most amazing view of tokyo which now i'm like it's 10 times the size of manhattan i mean it's just infinite yeah tokyo goes on until like the curvature of the earth jesus it's crazy yeah but that was really cool being up there very expensive it's very expensive. Dropped but all the yen. It was it was so neat, especially for me who had never seen Lost in Translation. I went to the bar first, saw the movie after, and then I was like, "Look at that!" Yeah, <laughs> I was just right there. Yeah, it was cool. It was. It connected. Played, there was jazz music up there, and yeah, really set the scene. Yeah, uh, and we went to two shrines yeah. that okay, Scarlett Johansson visits. Yeah, when she's off on her own that day, mm-hmm. and she goes. She does her Kyoto day. Her Kyoto day, and yeah. we, we went to Kyoto too. So there was the Hein. Hyen. Hyen? Hyen. Shrine. Shrine. And that was like the big, that was the one where she's in the big open courtyard mm-hmm. and it's like orangey. And then there's the that part where she walks on the stone yeah, there's pads really... in the um in the garden lake thing. Yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. And then the, the other, other one wasn't as cool, but I guess it was. Yeah, that was the Nanzenji. Yeah. Um, that was the one with the aqueduct. Ancient aqueduct. And, uh, oh, we got yelled at too. We went into a, a we went into a waterfall. Um, we weren't supposed to go in there. But, but we there were, was a Japanese we, man. We who, were egged on. We he's like he waved us over. And he's like, come, like, come feel this. I thought he was telling us to come feel the cool air because it mm-hmm. was really cool right there. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, feels good. And he's and he motioned for us to take off our clothes yeah. and step into the waterfall. Yeah. Even though there was a sign that says, do not go yeah. in the waterfall naked. Yeah. He had like a wily look about him. Yeah. He was kind of like he's like pretending to unbutton his shirt he's like no 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 and he's pointing to the sign yeah, and yeah. we were like oh haha and then we were like well we won't go naked but we'll jump in yeah and then we got yelled at by uh what seemed to be like a wise old japanese man who like who, took care of the area yeah he gave us the big x like when you do something yeah that's no in, in japan they cross their arms in yeah. front of them so that was nice to feel like an asshole american idiot yeah well, we got our karma for we got, sure. We got we got stuck in a major downpour. So. That's true. There were a lot of there karmic. Of, there were several karmic effects from doing that. I, so I know. I'm afraid little ones just keep happening to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
All right, number three. Okay, number three was uh, okay. So when we were in Kyoto, we were we were looking for a place that looked fun to drink, and we went to this cosplay bar that was really hard to find on yeah. Yelp because that's like kind of not as much of a thing out there. Yeah. And uh, so we we finally found this cosplay bar, and there was six seats in it, and I'm talking like there's no room, but but man, like. Um, toys and like anime stuff everywhere, and the the bartenders were dressed as like I didn't know the one character, but the, it's like an anime character. Yeah, and then the other girl was Super Mario. Mario yeah. yeah, and uh, we sat down, and it was a little tense at first, but then this guy next to us named Taishi, 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 he was he's like he he spoke pretty good English, and he was really excited to practice on us, and he you know like opened us up to everything, and yeah, and then all of a sudden everyone was getting along. We met the owner. We did karaoke. Yeah, and then we did a Bruce Springsteen song, "Born to Run," which uh, Taishi and the the owner Jackie had never heard of. But yeah. they 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 stood up and they sung with us anyway. And they, was yeah, really they cool. like read every word. <laughs> <laughs> they were really awesome. Yeah, that was a highlight for sure. Yeah, that was the also the the drunkest we got. That was the drunkest we got, and um, that was the most Carly Rae Jepsen that we've heard on the trip. That's the most Carly Rae Jepsen I've heard in my entire life. That's uh, Taishi's favorite. I don't think I ever listened to a full song. Yeah. Very good music, though. Excellent, yeah. Number two. Okay. Number two was a really special treat. Um, so Ryan's sister has a son who is in a kendo class, but we got to go to the older kids' kendo class one night. Which was still like fourth, fifth, and sixth yeah. grade, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we got to go to that and... Uh, it was it was just amazing. They they had um, outfits for us to put on, like the kendo uniforms yeah. to put on. Actually, they didn't have one big enough for me, so they had to go to another building to get to get one and bring that was it. So back. nice. It was so nice. We should probably say kendo is an ancient sword, sort of like a I don't know. It's like a sparring with this bamboo stick sword, yeah. and the the you get points for for things. Yeah, like, hitting in the head the. The torso, forearm, the forearm, and the yeah. torso. So it's all maneuvers about you know hitting your partner in those spots. Yeah. But yeah, they we did some exercises with them, and they they were really nice and kept made us like very included. But yeah, I mean, I we were very so, nervous. Oh my god, I and felt we looked so like dumb. idiots constantly. Yep. Um, but the kids seemed to like it. They were laughing a lot. Was, yeah, they were. They, they were, were awesome. fantastic. Yeah. And then afterwards, we sang a song, and, right. and the, 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 the uh, sensei played harmonica, and yeah. And then it was great. Everyone was standing on their toes trying to get taller than me. It was just the best. Yeah. And while Albert was in Japan, he got a spirited away tattoo. Right. And afterwards, and most, most Japanese people do not have tattoos. Um, actually, Taishi even made a joke. We asked him, hey, do you have any tattoos? He's like, I'm a pure boy. Number one pure boy. <laughs> Number one pure boy. Yeah. Ah, Taishi. <laughs> but all the kendo kids ran over and were, were pointing at Albert's tattoo. They were really excited about it because yeah. it's a you know, Japanese animation. So, yeah, that was a great day. That was... It was nice. It was really nice. It was one of those things that, you know, not everybody gets a chance to do that. And yeah. if it wasn't for Ryan's sister, Steph, and um, her friend. I forget her name. Oh. Yeah. Yazuki or. That I don't sounds know. so close. Anyway, she I don't. I'm sure she, translate and stuff. Yeah, she translated everything for us. It was great. It was fantastic. All right, number one. But down to the number one thing. The best thing about Japan was the egg, egg salad, salad sandwiches. sandwiches. Oh my God. At the Kambinis? Kambinis. I think so. They were the uh, they, these convenience stores everywhere. Our favorite was the Family Mart. Mm-hmm. 
Because we're not Lawson guys. I don't no, even know no, what's no, going no, on no, in the Lawsons. Keep me out of there. But uh, the family marts were everywhere, and you would go in there any time of day, and you could get these for 180 yen, which is like it's less than two dollars. Yeah, like it's like probably like a buck fifty or less. You can get these perfect egg salad sandwiches, <laughs> and I mean perfect. Yeah, they were perfect. They cut the crust off. The bread Very is like light. an angel's pillow. Mm. <laughs> it was awesome. And you know what else, too? You could grab a fucking tall beer. An asake and a, a juice sake box. juice box any time of the day. For nothing. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. J- Japan fucking rules. It does. It yeah. really is the best. It rules. It's also the cleanest place on earth, I imagine, because <laughs> yeah. we came back here and we're like, oh my God, it's so Friggin' oh, dirty. Yeah. The moment we got on any sort of public transportation here. Yeah. I think it was, the, was it Penn Station? Yeah. Or Penn JFK? Um, yeah, it was before the, that. Or J- Jamaica Station. Jamaica Station. Oh, at, my God. Uh, outside was, of JFK Airport. I mean, yeah, it's pretty gritty. When we, were, when we were in Japan, there was actually a guy whose job was to vacuum the subway steps. Right. Could you imagine? And he took pride in that job. Yeah. Looked good. He was awesome. He looked happy. And they were clean. So clean. So thank you for putting up with um, us being away for a couple of weeks. And we hope the uh, Megasodes got you through. Yeah. And uh, now we're going to get back to doing what we do best. Yeah. Let's get down to brass tacks here. It's all about the brass tacks. We're here to talk about idioms. Yes, we are. What is an idiom, Albert? Oh, isn't it funny how that just keeps... <laughs> I keep forgetting it. It's a turn of phrase. It's a colloquialism. It's something that doesn't mean the actual thing that you're saying. It's like a metaphorical phrase that has entered the language that's uh, used by local people. That could be as local as California. How come we can't remember what the fucking idiom is? I mean, we know what an idiom is. Yeah, yeah, I know we know what it is, but... It's a colloquial phrase. I need the the Oxford English Dictionary. Boom, just... Posted on the wall. The definition is yeah. bam. Yeah, all the time. Uh, we'll get that up for you. All right, all right. So we're gonna um, we're gonna decide who goes first yeah. today with a traditional um, Japanese game. Yeah, we looked up a traditional Japanese game of chance called Chohan. Chohan, and it's uh, essentially um, we flip the dice the dice In onto a, the table. Yeah, it's we on, have, it's a, like a little we have two thing. dice in a little cup, and uh, Albert will guess if it's a. Uh, if it's odd, it's going to go to Albert. If it's even, it's going to go to me. Right. Um, cho means even. Cho means even. And Han, Han means, means odd. Odd. And uh, my nickname for this game is... is Cho Ding. Cho Ding. And, and I'm a Han Dong. Han, Han Dong. Han Dong, uh, yeah. We say Ding Dong a lot now. A lot, yeah. It's our new favorite phrase. All right. Anyway, so here we go. Come on, Han. Did I drop one? Four, five, six, seven. Oh, it's me! God, yes! Me. Han Dong rides again! Han Dong rides again. <laughs> All right, Alex. All right. What's your idiom for the day? All right. Okay. So when I was trying to pick this idiom, I actually was uh, looking up Japanese idioms. Oh, okay. And um, I found this one that was sheep's head, dog, meat. Hmm. sheep's head dog meat that is not the idiom that, okay. I, that I chose yeah right but dog meat got me thinking of something what did it, make you think it was of? something that we said so much on the trip my dogs are barking oh I did say that a lot you didn't pick that this week no I thought for sure that this was it because you you said it so many every, at the end of every day I got a my dogs are barking <laughs> that's so true and they were they my were, dogs they were, were barking screaming. Hard. yeah 
Too much walking. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. So you got some info on this, huh? Yeah. Oh, great. So um, I'm excited. I mean, you could just tell everyone what it means now. Yeah. When your dogs are barking, it means your feet hurt from either standing or walking too much. Yeah. It just means your feet hurt. Yeah. So what you had to do to figure out where this came from and like, why, why are feet called dogs? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any, do you have any like idea of where it came from? Ooh. Um, I'm going to take it back a few centuries when Way people back. just had no respect for animals. Right. Not enough respect, at least. Right. And to... Um, now they've got too much respect. Way too much respect. <laughs> um, but, you know, farmers, when uh, they'd be out all day with the sheep, they'd, you know, they'd, they'd have the do- the sheep dogs around. Yeah. And they'd, they'd, you know, when they'd be acting up, they'd be kicking the dogs like, come right. on, get the... Right. Get out. Go on, get it. kicking the dog all day to make sure yeah. that it round up the sheep well. Right. Um, and you'd be like, ah, my dogs are barking. You kick the sheep. <laughs> kick the sheep. You kick the sheep. And they kick the dog so often that it's as if your own feet are barking because you're always like, oh, yeah. good, good. Right. Because every time you, every time you them, kick yeah. the dog, the dog barks. Even though it's probably the, more of a yip, yip. Yeah, right. I forget about the, the yips and yipes. I never had a dog. Um, but you know that could it's also nice. maybe, maybe farmers is, is the wrong is the wrong character to do that with because farmers, no, farmers are, they, that's they, okay they train dogs well I, they love their animals until they eat them and I mean everyone's an asshole maybe like a like a poor you know criminal type out in the a poor criminal yeah, farmer poor criminal farmer farming for he's like for dirt you know where I got these seeds I stole them <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that's my only guess I don't have a guess yeah. I, that uh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's strong. So <laughs> of course, <laughs> our old catchphrase. Um, okay, so here's the thing: dogs uh, feet started were were called dogs in the early 1900s, and it comes from Cockney rhyming slang. Whoa! And you know, I, it really I was inching towards Cockney. I was going to say like awesome, yeah. and I realized I didn't understand it enough. Yeah. Um. So here's the deal: Do you know how? Cockney works. I don't. Me neither. I mean, I know that it's. Well, I this, didn't before. This, I know that it's a dialect of mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's like inner city London sort yeah. of speak. Um, right. But I don't really know how it developed or. Yeah. Or how this is it like works. colloquialisms on an absolute atomic rampage. Right. You wow. know, I mean, it's it's just it's out of control. Like yeah. I think that if we were to listen to somebody speak in <clears throat> true Cockney, we would be like, I have no idea what you're saying. There's a scene from Austin Powers where uh, Mike Myers and uh, what's his name, uh, Kane, Michael Kane. Uh huh. They they talk in Cockney English oh, for nice. for like a few minutes. Nice. And there's like subtitles, I think. I like Michael Caine. Oh my god. Alfred. What a man. What a great man. Stoic. They're quite stoic. <laughs> all right, so all right. continue. So, all right, so I'm gonna tell you how Cockney works in in a second. So basically you gotta think of this. Mm-hmm. Uh dogs meet equals feet. Dogs, dogs meet, meet equals, equals feet. feet. Okay, so you got the rhyme of the meat and the feet, right? Yeah. So here's how Cockney works. In the 19th century, it was an East London rhyming slang. And what you would do is you would take a common word, say like uh, feet, right? And then you would replace that word with a phrase that rhymed at the end with the word that you were that you were picking. So, mm-hmm. so if you take feet and you think of dog's meat, so then you would start being like, Oh my, you know, like my dog's meat, um, 
are hurting right mm-hmm. now, you know? And right. then you would use that for a little while, but then what you would do is you would throw out the rhyming word wow. and you would just start saying dog. So it's almost like they, they came up with this rhyming system and then they like, they made like a slang and then they instantly like abridged it as soon as like everybody, I guess, was used to it. Yeah. It's crazy awesome. It's really cool how that would develop and how it would change and yeah. getting rid of words that you don't need anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. So, okay. So Cockney sounds really fun. So almost always they would drop that, that last rhyme. So I have some examples here for you. Let's okay. hear I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say a Cockney phrase and I'm going to have you try to guess what it means. Ooh. Remember it's going to rhyme. Right. Okay. So they're con- these are common things. Here, here we go. Yeah. Here's a really popular one. Apples and pears. What are apples and pears? Fruits. Uh, no, in Cockney. Remember, it has to <laughs> has to rhyme with it has to rhyme with pears. Oh, apples! I anything that rhymes with pears. Bears. Good. It was stairs. Mm. So if you say I'm going up the apples and pears, it means you're going up the stairs. Oh. All right. Dog and bone. Hmm. Anything that rhymes with bone. Stone. Telephone. Telephone. <laughs> Trouble and strife. Um. Wife. You got it. Yes. 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 Okay, cool. And what's funny about that is that, you know, so trouble and strife, then it gets shortened to trouble. And then I was thinking like, oh, here comes trouble. Yeah. Oh, and I wonder, yeah, is that... the original here comes trouble? Here like, comes here comes my wife. My wife. And my she wife. Is big. <laughs> All right. Uh, two, two to go. Chew the fat. Mm, rat. Have a chat. Chat. Right. Mm. And the last one, because I think this is this is really important for all of us South Philadelphians to know this. Because yeah. I think that we've been... I think we've been bamboozled for a while. Hmm. Kyber Pass. Kyber Pass. Um, Lass. Mm, ass. ass. And they use arse. Arse. So the Kyber Pass pub? Yeah. It's it's talking about ass. Hmm. That's a, it's, it's a the, cockney. It's the butt bar. It, it's the butt bar. It's a cockney fucking throwback how cool is that very cool next time we go in there i'm gonna be like i know what's going on here you've had all these people walking into a butt and you think you're so funny (laughs) they're gonna be like huh right wow that's cool yeah did not i did not know that's how cockney english worked yeah so it's really neat uh there's so many examples i had something else written out there but we're gonna move on so just to get back to real quick a couple little things about the dogs barking in 1913 it was the first time it was written down it was in the new york evening journal reporter Tad Dorgan wrote Tad this. Tad Dorgan. Yeah, right? Um, he was waiting for my sore dogs to heal up. And Tad was known, the New York Times wrote this about Tad, he was known to popularize new slang. So, Whoa. so around that time when it first showed up, he wanted to print it because he's like, I'm getting it. Yeah, Those right. dogs are going to be mine. Yeah. I'm Tad Dorgan, <laughs> the fucking Schmorgan. <laughs> Schmorganboard. Schmorganboard. <laughs> Tad Schmorgenborg. All you can eat. Infinite price. Um, there's another quick one. 1919, the Ladies Home Journal wrote, a Marine never calls a foot anything but a dog. Mm. So, you know, the dogs. Uh, it was also popularized in the jazz age slang, which I didn't know uh, that was a 20s. thing. Yeah, so it was from the Roaring Twenties to the Great Depression. And it was the, I don't know if you knew this, the first modern era to emphasize era to emphasis youth culture over older generations Mm -hmm. so flappers were actually defining a lot of the slang back then Uh, i could see that isn't that awesome because they were also defining the you know the dress code and Mm -hmm. you know what to do with your hair and fashion and stuff so that would make sense yeah so uh last thing i had here is that um 
when I was looking up the whole dog meat thing, I was like, ah, oh, feet, meat, like I, I get it, but why dog meat? So there was a, a saying, you could call someone, you could say, you're dog meat. And this is something my dad and Mr. Roland used to say all the time. Like, you're dog, you dog meat, you know? Whoa. And uh, that's from the 16th century, so it's even older. And uh, it's a reference to a dead person or it's a threat yeah. um, or it means you're in serious trouble. And I go, okay, what's you're dead. That's you're, basically yeah, what I'm you're dead. But yeah. why the feet, right? Right. Back to the feet. So meat that's fit for a dog, um, that's only fit for a dog, is often like carry on. Remember, because we talked Carrion about birds, yeah. uh, that they eat dead things. Yeah. So your feet are dead, meat, dog meat. Like, and I don't know that any of that happened on purpose mm-hmm. because, like, the Cockneys, I think, just do what they want. Right. But uh, I was just like, this makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So I, I, I thought of my dad uh, a lot when I was doing that because he still says dog meat to this day. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Because I use that phrase a lot. Dog meat or dogs are barking? Dogs Do- are barking. You, you said it a lot on the, on the trip, <laughs> for sure. For sure. That's great, man. Yeah. I thought it was fun, you know? Yeah. Good work. Yeah. And there's a ton of idioms uh, that come from just that Cockney rhyming slang. And a, and a fun fact about it is it's believed that they created it to outwit the police they wanted to they were really and outsiders in general yeah they were not they like they just wanted to have their own thing they knew that they created the secret language uh the police wouldn't be able to get them talking out in the open and outsiders wouldn't be able to uh you'd be able to spot and like hear an outsider right away yeah very cool thanks fine fine investigative work thank you very much i'm thinking you know, we it's it would be so easy to divide idioms into major categories. Yes. Because so many things, you know, it seems like probably a lot of things come from Cockney. Yeah. A lot of things come from Navy slash sailors in general. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Bible, Proverbs, yes. you know, I'm trying to think what other like big ones are. Um, like the American frontier. Right. I mean, I, I keep on being like, all right, this is like another thing. I bet you there is a that. farmer's thing too. There's They got the almanac. They've got that. What's going on with that almond? I don't know. It's like it's like here's what happened, so we can use it to predict the future. Whoa. I just feel like the almanac, like the people are like, oh yeah, that's some serious <laughs> shit right there, <laughs> and everyone's ignoring it. We should do a new podcast called the Almanac Boys. The Almanac Boys. It's a <laughs> instant hit. Alma snacks. <laughs> All right, you ready for idiom number two? I am. All right. You and me, Albert, were in like Flynn. Yes, yes. My grandpa used to say that. Yes, yes, yes. It's a cool one. It is. Um, how much do you know about this already? I, mm. I felt like you probably read about this a little bit. I have breezed over this yeah. one. And here's what I remember. I feel like Flynn's a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember there being some uh, like question is, is it in like Flynn or in like Flint? Yeah, I've and, got an answer to that. Okay, because and I don't remember anything else though. Right. So what does in like Flynn mean? When you're you're like, you're good to go. Like you're, 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 you're in man. Like. You, you made it. Um, you, yeah, right. You Basically. succeeded. You, you wrote, you're awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the specific definition is having quickly or easily achieved a goal or gained access as desired. Now, later on, it starts to pick up some sort of like sexual connotations. Yes. Meaning yes. you were able to seduce somebody very easily. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in like Flynn, man. She oh, digs yeah. me. She digs my jib, the cut of my jib. Well, yeah, I gave her that Spanish fly. The Spanish fly. Tom Waits. This is Tom Waits' <laughs> Spanish fly podcast. Yeah. All right, so uh, you want to you take 
It seems like you kind of know where it came from. Do you want to maybe develop your guess a little bit about the origin story? You know, I really don't know. I'm going to I'm going to go with that it's a person. Yeah. And I want to say he's one of the first aviators. Ooh. And that guy could just land on a dime. I like that. Handsome, scarf in the wind, perfect hair. Mm. Babe on each arm mm-hmm. in like Flynn. I'm going to say when were planes invented? Right after Orville and Wilbur. <laughs> Wilbur. Like right. right once they started making a metal, he's like, first guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. The first guy to fly metal planes. Yeah. Um, so you're <laughs> very good. Yeah. Actually, the, the picture that you've painted here of who Flynn is, pretty close. Really? Errol Flynn. He was a Hollywood actor from the 30s and okay. 40s. Yeah. And he often portrayed swashbucklers, not necessarily pilots, but he did do some like World War II era things. Yeah. But he always. He's a leading man. He's a leading man. <sighs> he was like the Robin Hood. He was the one who rescued the damsels in distress. And in the early 40s, even though he didn't really get super popular until. Um, he died. Like 40. No. <laughs> like uh, 42 or something around there. Uh, he was already working in the in the 30s, but that phrase came out in just about 1940, 1941. In like Flynn, you could also say, "I'm Flynn," as in "I'm in." Or, oh, nice. Your name is Flynn. Oh, yeah. Your name is Flynn. Your name kind is of Flynn. like the opposite of your name is Mud. Yeah, yeah, right. Nice. It is the opposite. So there is some, you know, people often say in like Flint, right? And that's a malapropism. Which just, it, it's wrong. And I want to know why it's wrong. It's such a simple answer. In 1967, a movie called In Like Flint came out. Oh. And it was a parody spy film. It looks like Austin Powers. I watched the trailer today. It looks like Austin okay. Powers kind of pulled a lot of stuff from this. So when In Like Flint came out, people started to, you know, they just incorrectly adopted the phrase. Sure, because it was popular and it was... But the right. title of the film came from In Like Flint. Yeah, but that just goes to show like that, that kind of stuff. Like I can knock an idiom off course so easily, you right. know, because when something becomes popularized, even if it's a play on something else, uh, people tend to remember what's hot. Right. Kind of like John Crock, the founder. <laughs> John, was it, was right. it John? The McDonald's. Yeah. yeah we was watched. it John? <laughs> I forgot. The Crockster. The Crockster. <laughs> He's like, this is McDonald's number one. And, they're, and the, the brothers are like, oh, <laughs> yeah, we watched The Founder, which is the Michael Keaton uh, history of McDonald or origin of McDonald's movie on the plane together. Yeah. That was... Uh, that but it, guy was an asshole. It was crazy, but it was Michael also... Michael Keaton's awesome, He though. is great. But that was relevant because that was another thing that we did to pass the time on one of our road trips. We were like, yo, where does McDonald's come from? Yeah. And I swear, it was like a year later, they made a whole movie about it. Right. And I was like, oh, now I'm sad. <laughs> now I know too much about where McDonald's came right. from. So Errol Flynn... Uh, handsome. He was known to be, uh, he had a reputation for, however, I'm about to change any positive, you know, notion we have. Oh boy. Errol Flynn, because, you know, I don't, I don't know much, that much about him um, until I did some research, but he was essentially a womanizer. Sure. I mean, you're talking a 1940s Hollywood actor. That's got womanizer all over it. Right. Uh, He was basically an alcoholic, got into a lot of fights, really into drugs, chain smoked, he was just—he was just this kind of character. So, Sounds pretty cool. So he was most famous for his uh, part in um, Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and after that came out, you know, Warner Brothers gave him like 15 year contract and he made tons of money, eventually lost all of it. But um, <laughs> on the ponies, on the ponies. <laughs> But uh, a couple of things like leading to this guy's rise to being an actor. He was born in Australia and eventually made his way to Britain and started, you know, someone saw him and was like, that guy's hot. I'm going to get him in my He's movie. He's just walking around. He's just walking around and they're like, need to get that guy in my movie. So he just started acting because people wanted him in their films just because of the, the look of him. And um, <laughs> he first got kicked out of school for apparently stealing something but then he told later that he had sex with a, the school's laundress oh so as a teenager laundresses yeah, so then. as a teenager he slept with whoever was washing the sheets of the boarding school i okay. guess okay well what's wrong with this is just like the all right the, this is the kind of guy we're we're dealing with here so i mean if someone's pulling you off the street to be like you're a star yeah he's probably just got people Throwing him themselves at him. I mean, like the laundress wanted to sleep with him. Right. I hope. I hope he didn't force himself on the laundress. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but you can already see how, like, in like Flynn is starting to develop. Uh-huh. I mean, he's just he's a he. He sounds like a shithead, but he just does what he he's wants. Smooth and gets operator, what he wants. cool, smooth confident, operator. right? Thick. Head oh my of hair. god, that hairline. He had enough hair for two Woo. men. Woo woo. Um. So he started acting in, in the 30s in Britain. Apparently, he got kicked out of uh, whichever uh, company he was in because he threw a female stage manager down a stairwell. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, this guy's just going to keep sounding worse and worse the more we talk about him. Right too. down the apples, huh? Yeah. And then I was like, all right, you should probably leave. So then he made his way to Hollywood, quickly kind of took over the scene there, was you know one of the most popular actors in, in Britain and America. And um, then in 1942, that was when his his name really got associated with his sexual. Um, oh yeah, yeah, being a deviant, I guess. So two underage girls, Betty and Peggy, accused him of statutory rape. Oh, and this was a huge scandal at the time. Okay, and also because his characters in all these movies, he's like the hero. Okay, you know what I mean. I mean, he's like the swashbuckler type, and you know, constantly like saving women and always having like the best lines and like high moral code. Is he dark? Is he anti-hero at times, or is he always just like straight up? Well, golden Robin Hood boy? is an anti-hero in a way. I think right? so. Yeah. So yeah, I guess he. I just I, wonder because like I want. I yeah. feel like if he portrays somebody that's got like an edge to him, he's like, I'm a good guy, but I'm dark too, that baby. Because that's gonna just everyone wants that. <laughs> right. I, I think he probably. I'm sure, he had that. Too. He's winking at the camera quite a bit. Well, people were so. Sh- People didn't believe it because they just associated him with the character that he played in films. Like the hero wouldn't do that. Right. And, and a group um, <laughs> a group got together to support Flynn. They were called the American Boys Club for the Defense of Errol Flynn. Okay. The acronym was uh, ABCDEF. Oh, no, that's nice that that worked out. But, you know, like, oh, shock, gonna... shocker of the century, <laughs> a bunch of men in the 40s were supporting another man that he didn't like rape these two girls and he's known for seducing women and you know yeah doing illegal shit it's like it's just being a boy i thought you were going to say mothers against um statutory rape mother mars uh, mars is that a awesome oh. um, i mean not the statutory actually rape it'd part. be masser al m a s r what did i say M- mars that would no, be I mothers just, against wanted... rape statutory that's fine yeah mars um which i would support that group 
Me too. So the uh, <laughs> is this going to be a surprise? He was cleared of all charges by a male judge, probably, I and probably a male jury. <laughs> right. And uh, and that's when his his like you know reputation for being a ladies' man really kind of just exploded. Oh, so his his rape accusation is what in like yeah. made in like Flynn. Yeah, that is. That is dark. <laughs> it is. It's really dark. And I mean, it, it's just, you know, like, it's just so, it's so that time, too. You know yeah. I mean? Not that things like that don't happen now. But, right. Um, all of a sudden, it makes In Like Flynn feel, like, d- really dirty, too. Yeah. I wish I could go back and tell my grandpa. I'd be like, yeah. don't, don't support. Yeah, yeah, don't say don't, that. Don't, say don't, that. Say, don't support Errol Flynn. Um, Keep watching Frasier. So, uh, you know, he went through this period, like a, like, 15 years where it was getting harder for me at work. And also, that did sort of, you know... Uh, kind of tarnish his reputation. Right. Obviously. And uh, one of his last big blockbusters was The Sun Also Rises um, from the oh. 50s, which is uh, Ernest Hemingway in Spain and stuff. So that was cool. I've always wanted to see that and I didn't realize he was in it. I'd never seen it either. Um, so what else do I have to say about this? Um, a couple of the things. So he eventually died of a heart attack and liver problems in the 50s. Oh, liver, huh? Yeah. And he, that phrase was was going on in the 40s and he really liked it. You know, I'm sure he <laughs> he's did. He's like, In Like Flynn. Yeah. And he almost he almost called his uh, memoir In Like Me. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that was going to be good. The, but he didn't? No, he, I guess the uh, his publisher or whatever was like, we need something a little bit more tasteful. So the title ended up being My Wicked, Wicked Ways. Too wicked? Stupid. Oh, we need to go back and get like a manuscript copy of where he wrote, like in like me. In like we got to get that baby right up there. Um, so after he died, obviously a lot of stories came up about him because he, he seemed to live a pretty, you know, crazy life. Um, but in the 80s, this guy came out with this biography called The Untold Story where he painted Flynn as being a, a fascist sympathizer who spied for the Nazis before and during the Second World War, and he was a bisexual and had multiple gay affairs. Whoa. But none of it was true. Oh. There's, like, no evidence, but he's like, no, I was able to piece this story together because of this and this and this, and no other person has ever been able to find any evidence that's true. You need the evidence. You need the hard facts. You need the hard, the cold yeah. hard facts. They do need to be cold. They need to be very cold. And uh, one last interesting detail about uh, Errol Flynn. In the 80s, the son of L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, do you know who that is? I know who L. Ron Hubbard is. Who is He's it? He's the uh, Scientologist fellow, yeah, right? exactly. The guy who founded Scientology. So What a guy. Thank er- you, L. Ron. Errol Flynn and Ron Hubbard were like best friends, apparently. They're like really good friends to the point where the son of... Uh, Hubbard considered Flynn like a, an adoptive father almost. Jesus. So th- he said that apparently they did a lot of illegal things between like um, uh, drug smuggling and sexual acts with underage girls, but Flynn never joined the uh, the religious group. Oh, good. That's yeah. good. Well, at least he's got that. <laughs> I guess. That was a he's got his own religion, the Flynn... Um, so that's the, that's the story of, uh, in like Flynn. Now, the one thing I want, yeah, we're going to say, no, I just, it's just amazing because I just heard it so much. I mean, it's not something people use a lot anymore. I feel like older people had said it more when I was a kid. I remember hearing it and just like to think of all that is, yeah. but it's in, and you'll hear it in TV shows. And sure. Movies and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, 
I know. I, I feel like I'm going to start hearing it more too now that I like know it. Well, yes, that has definitely happened on this show. Yeah. You cannot go to Home Depot without people talking about brass tags. <laughs> um, so I thought this this for me felt like a little kind of like an Albert thing to do. I brought up Swashbuckler a couple times. Oh. What is Swashbuckler? Hey, all right. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get some fun facts here. So uh, do, you, do you know what a Swashbuckler is? I mean, I just imagine like a pirate swinging his... You know, swinging his sword, like yeah. That, I don't know what it is. Well, basically, it's like a if a Renaissance period. It's a it's a hero, a protagonist who's heroic and idealistic, and you know he rescues damsels in distress and he defends the downtrodden. Like Robin Hood would be considered a swashbuckler. Although sure. I've always thought like a pirate was a Me, swashbuckler. Well, that's, did I not say pirate? Because I meant pirate. Yeah, I think you said it. I, I can't don't. I can't remember anything. Things. Yeah. yeah. Um. But. I was like, well, what, where does that word come from, though? Like swashbuckler. Yeah. So I looked it up, and a swash is archaic for to swagger with a drawn sword. So uh, I imagine it's like, yeah, know, like Johnny Depp, jo- Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. <laughs> right? Yeah. He is a swashbuckler, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ultimate. And then a buckler is a small shield gripped in the fist. Oh, so that's a swashbuckler. So he's a so guy, he's got he's the got sword, a, and he's got a small shield, and yeah. he's swaggering along. I'm swaggering along. Can I um, ask you a question? Sure. Do you remember hearing the the rumor that, or maybe it's not even a rumor, that when Johnny Depp was making Pirates of the Caribbean, he copied the mannerisms Keith of, a, Richards. of Keith Richards? Yeah. So you see these cards here? Yeah. Uh, I put them aside because I didn't want to go too long, but I have a bit of something about Keith Richards in here, and I feel yeah. like I need to say it now. Wow. We just went from, <laughs> let's go, the dogs are barking, to in like Flynn. To swashbuckler, back to. I could leave. I could leave these cards on the table, and I could walk away. I want to know. Okay, so I don't know what you got. All right, isn't it fun the rivulets? The rivulets. All right, Albert loves the rivulets. If we're gonna talk about Keith Richards, yeah, I gotta quickly say this. Wait, is this gonna be like a long quick, quick, Keith quick. Richards thing? It's very quick. Okay. <laughs> you know, hush puppies. Yeah. Okay, so dogs are barking. Yeah. Hush puppies, the shoes. Yeah. In 1958, they made their U.S. debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were originally going to be called lasers. Mm. And the sales manager went on a, um, on a, on a, you know, sales call or whatever down in the deep South. Yeah. And he had, uh, he had hush puppies, like the little fried cornmeal stuff. And he asked the guy, um, why do you call them that? And he told them that it was because farmers used to throw little bits of fried cornmeal to the dogs to quiet their barking dogs. So he comes back to the company. He's like, guys, I've got it. He's like, we're not going to call these lasers. We're going to call them hush puppies. Right. Because your feet cra- are quieter yeah. with the shoes on. Isn't that crazy? Like yeah. the origin of that, that whole... That's story. very and, cool. and to keep your feet comfortable and like so your dogs, dogs aren't barking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... Is here's, the twist here that Keith Richards here, here, was the here's sales where, guy? Here's where Keith Richards okay. come in. No, but the, guy, the sales guy's middle name was Gaylord. I remember uh, that. Okay. In 1965, Keith Richards' life was saved by a pair of hush puppies. Whoa. Yes. Mm. It was at a concert in Sacramento. His guitar touched an ungrounded mic, and he was electrocuted and knocked unconscious. And the medics on the scene said that the latex-insulated soul... Of his hush puppies that yeah, he was wearing yeah. saved his life. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So I just, like you, like you. I mean, I said. We kind of yeah, went, we went to pirates. Like weird, yeah. Johnny so Depp, I just Keith had to Richards. say that because it was like the craziest yeah, thing. That's crazy coincidence. Yeah. It always comes back full circle though, you know. It really does. Wow. So, so that's it. That's all, that's all we got. I that's think. great. 
Um, so it feels good to be back on the idiom train. It really does. You know what? Taking a taking a break from it, um, and now that school's over and all that stuff, and then coming back and just focusing on this, it's been really nice. Just totally. To, yeah, just to focus on this. We're happy to be back with you guys, and uh, it, we're recording a little late. Usually, this is the episode's already out, but we instead of rushing it, and our jet lag has been just so messed it up. It is still happening. <laughs> it's, I mean, we've been home since Tuesday, and I, I mean, I've been waking up at like 3 a.m. and staying up till 7 p.m., and I yeah. just can't get it straight. But. Yeah. So we figured instead of rush it, we'd give you something that we thought was a little bit more quality. Yeah. And you're welcome. Well, you're welcome, America. <laughs> and uh, next week, you can expect us to be back on track. Oh, Unless yeah, we get off it again. I don't know. Oh, yeah, baby. So this is episode 18. Um, we're, we're considering season one yes. of Don't Be an Idiom being the first 20 episodes. Yes. So uh, we're excited to kind of be nearing the end of our first season what? of episodes. Um, I'm going to be out of the country for a while. Uh, living in Spain, but we're going to figure out a way to make it work and we're going to come back hard and um, it's going to be the idiom mania. We'll just keep on just bubbling up. There's no stopping the idiom train. Can't stop it. Won't stop it. Um, there's something else I wanted to say real yeah, quick. what did you want to say? I hastily mm. made a uh, Japanese punk hardcore playlist mostly female singers um <laughs> playlist because yeah. when we were over in japan there was this uh like we're fans of baby metal if you know who baby metal is oh, yeah. but there's like other bands like baby metal and so we found this band called passcode that was just like really cool so i just went on spotify and i went and started liking and you know building stuff based on what was coming up on that playlist. Cool. so i am gonna have that ready and uh so we'll have another playlist for a first time in a long time too awesome man can't wait yeah all right, we'll check out our Instagram. Don't be and the idiom. Facebook and oh yeah, yeah, Facebook and, and the, the Twitter because we are getting up there in numbers now, baby. Oh, it's crazy. We're in the what twenty thousand something? Oh, twenty thousand followers. I mean, seriously? No, I'm. Oh, okay, I was gonna say because <laughs> we do have over a hundred now, what? which is which is nice. Yeah, all you gotta do is like strangers, and they like you back. <laughs> uh, the whole thing's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, well, we'll see you um, soon. Thanks for listening. We appreciate everyone, uh, you know, uh, waiting for us to get back to do a proper episode. And uh, until next week, don't be an, an idiom. idiom.
Why?